What up, what up? This is Steve, and once again with Gary on this very special edition of Keep the K Fab, where we go into the old school nitty gritty and just deep dive into some things that uh, have been timeless in wrestling, but have also evolved. And um, today we're going to talk about, uh, I mean, it's a fascinating topic, and maybe depending on the generation you're coming from, uh, things you've think about don't think about but we're going to talk about referees and announcers and kind of their role as the unsung heroes of professional wrestling and really that role has evolved like i said uh like you know, sometimes in the modern times they became a little bit more invisible but the roles they played have just far transcended even what you've seen on television and um we're going to get right into it by uh, introducing um gary who, uh, yeah, friend of the show. Now, I guess, I mean, we have to call you more than that because this is going to be your third stint with the show, at least. So, no. yeah. I expect some royalty checks after this one, I think. So, this, well, well, this one will be a good one. As soon as I get them, I'll be okay. sure to make sure you get some. Yeah. As always, the zero is after the decimal point and not in front of a comma. So it's okay. It's, you know, okay. It's all, well, that's math. extra zeros. It's all math. So I just gloss but, over with math. Yes, yes. I um I'm with you on this one. This is a really going to be a cool episode for us as I think about the roles that referees and we're really concentrating more today on ring announcers as opposed to announcers because I think Exactly, yeah. I think in a lot of ways and I think, you know, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I mean everyone concentrates on the talent, right? The wrestlers in the ring and Oftentimes, the interviewers and the on-air personalities are super important, and they get a lot of coverage and a lot of publicity. But I want to talk, I think, for us, I think we want to talk tonight about this other layer of, and I will call them talent, that are essential pieces to both the atmosphere that is created at a wrestling show and also the flow by which the matches uh, have and 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 utilize and in the relationship between the use of the referee and and the evolution of the referee over the years. Yeah, right on. It's yeah, it's really interesting. And uh, I mean, we, you know, we were, we we were talking a little bit beforehand, but just I mean, it's amazing when you start making a list of the names and over the generations, mm-hmm. and just like, oh my god, like this is. It's a roster onto itself. Yeah. And a lot of, um, and I think to your point earlier, there has been an ebb and flow with the use of the referee. Um, I guess let's go, let's go back. Let's go back to our sure. childhood in the seventies and eighties. And, uh, the referee, um, in, in general, right. The referee's main role, there's two main pieces of a role or I, maybe three. One is, um, they're obviously there as in a piece of kayfabe to control the piece of the match. So they're literally there and they, and no matter what generation referee, they act and try to be like an actual referee. They try to hold the wrestlers accountable. They count, they, they're assigned to declare the winner or the loser, etc. And so the kayfabe piece of it is still very important even to today. And we'll get into pieces of the kayfabe probably later on in terms of the um, the art of the distracted official and how <laughs> that plays itself into the match. But the other two pieces that I think are probably, whether they're known or unknown to those that are listening, are, are safety and communication. So the referee is an essential piece to how the match is functioning uh, within itself. And one of the key pieces is the reality that they're the communication link between the producers in the back and the wrestlers in the ring. 
they're almost as if like they're a director of sorts. So you've got the producers in the back who are dictating or have desire to dictate how the match is to flow, the pacing, the timing, etc. The referee is there to pass messages in essence, between the wrestlers and then also between the wrestlers and the back and vice versa. Um, today, that's done through the use of an earpiece. But in the in our generation, uh, it was literally by word of mouth. Um, you remember the heels and the faces came into the ring from separate locations. Right. And, and oftentimes may have never discussed anything prior to the match, which call it in, in the ring. Yeah. In today's, in today's wrestling world have would be completely mind blowing. Right. So if you ever watch an old school wrestling match, one of the things you'll often see the officials do is what I guess we'll term the proverbial pat down. They yeah. will go up to a wrestler and they'll pat, they'll almost check them for quote unquote, uh, foreign objects. They'll pat their, their hips. They'll, they'll look at, they'll do, they'll do a sweep of their shoes all the while they're doing this. They're asking them like, Hey, what's the finish? What's going on? (laughs) Who's going over? And then when he, when the referee goes from one guy, one, uh, a wrestler, he'll go to the other wrestler, do the same process again. And basically at that point, we'll be passing messages to that wrestler saying, okay, I hear the finish is this, this is what we're looking for and all that kind of stuff. And then get confirmation and then bamo, the match begins. Right. Well, and it's near invisible to the fans. I mean, like as a kid, I didn't, know that, I didn't know that was going on. You know, you see, you just, because you're not really paying attention either. It's like, you want to see the match. You're not really watching yeah. if the referee's saying something. So, I mean, it was very, very well uh, camouflaged. Well, Steve, in a lot of ways, I, I was bought into the cave. I thought the guy was yeah. just literally checking them for foreign objects. And, right. and and I would get upset when I see them do that to Abdullah the Butcher, who I knew, or George the Animal Steel, who I knew had a well-taped fork in their pockets that the referee, how could they not, could see, not this? see that? Yeah. How could you not see this? And so, but the, the, the officials... Um, you know, in terms of safety, you know, they're they're notor- they're known for things like, um, you know, the hand squeeze. So when wrestlers do any type of fairly traumatic event, um, you know, the wrestler will be, you know, wailing and gnashing and yelling and screaming. And it's impossible for the referee to know where, whether that's le- legitimate or not. So oftentimes you'll see them rush down to the wrestler and grab their hands and they're looking for a squeeze. And if they're getting a squeeze, you know, oftentimes, you know, that, that is the signal for, you know, I'm good. I'm just going to make it look like I've got my leg broken. Um, and, and also I think another piece of this that is important is the notion of, um, the timekeeper, right. And, you know, and they're there to make sure that the match is moving at a pace that's that's okay for the producers. That's within the time frame that's allotted, and oftentimes they'll be the one to signal to the wrestlers, you know, hey, let's, as they say in the business, let's go home. So, um, I do yeah. want to also say one thing, and I think I hope you'll agree with this as well, Steve, that I, I don't want to pretend in any way, shape, or form to know every little nuance that's going on. I, I'm not. I don't want to overmark out on this. Um, yes, there's probably things that you and I think are happening that may not necessarily be happening, but I just think that, you know, for us, you know, this, these, these are things that we've researched and tried to, to, you know, get to the bottom of over the years, but none of which dispel in any matter, the excitement that we feel as wrestling fans. And I hope you agree with that. No, it's just, to to me, it's interesting. I mean, I like, I like all those little things that add up and it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, there was that WWE, I don't know if it's changed very recently, but you know, they kind of in the last 10 years have made referees almost just like, you know, like, um, ornamentation like really no personality anything yeah which is a huge change from the past but before we get into that one i wanted to touch on really quick about the timekeeper thing i don't know how i mean that is such a critically important thing in wrestling because um 
you know, you're on live television, you know, and one segment or match goes over that messes with the rest of the flow. And, you know, absolutely. You can't have that. And that's why like these matches, like, you know, the people will get heat if their promo mm-hmm. or the wrestling match goes over because it'll screw somebody else out of their time. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, in the old days before the WWE network, um, pay-per-views would shut off at the hour. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you went over, your match, you know, the, the people that paid all that money to see it weren't wouldn't see the ending. So timekeeping is critical, and you, I mean, they'll most certainly cut matches if something goes over, so it doesn't mess with the main event. Yeah, yeah, I think you're making a great point, and I think that, you know, we don't realize while the wrestlers clearly dictate the types of moves that are being done and the, and and how everything is unfolding it's really the referee who creates that sense of of direction for them that will help them understand better like what's going over what's not working what's you know things that that and and then also you know the producers who are listening to the fans listening to the crowd for reactions trying to get a sense of where you know how this the sequence of moves in that whole match is is coming across to them I think it's really critical role that these referees play. I mean, even before they played these roles, most of these referees are part of the ring crew and they're the ones who mm-hmm. help. In fact, there's a lot of stories, you know, dating back um, way back into the beginnings of, of, you know, when officials started to really come into into being um most of them were regional like most most wrestling towns had quote unquote a set of referees i mean uh, if you watch the old madison square garden there's like the dick whirlies and the dick crolls and <laughs> there was a a, a a shorter um a shorter man with uh wristbands i don't know if you remember gilbert roman like he was i mean these are guys that you would see right and then you would you'd be like, where, where are these, you know, but you don't see, you wouldn't see them necessarily go from place to place to place. No, they'd be in, but they'd be very regional. Like in Milwaukee, for instance, one of the key referees was, uh, was Larry Lasowski, who we know is from South Milwaukee. He was the crusher's one, the crusher's son. And so, you know, depending on the area of the country you went, these, uh, these referees were there. And so, so they had to have mechanisms by which that they were then, um, you know, communicating with each other, you know, before the matches, during the matches, et cetera, um, to kind of, you know, keep, keep, um, to, to keep that wrestling action going. That's really cool. That's yeah. But, and, and that's interesting to me because like when they're from different like regional places like that, that's, I mean, you almost have to have this template in your head as a referee because, you're not like, you know, like uh, Lizowski, he's not traveling with the company. No. So he doesn't know the stories real closely or anything. No. So he has to just kind of come in there truly neutral and like talk to the wrestlers, figure out what they're doing and then call it. It's not like he's in the know. No. And, and the other thing, Steve, was that, you know, those matches, there weren't 12 officials, one for every match almost, which there are today almost. I mean, if you look at a, mm-hmm. a fairly classic AEW show, uh, the AEW roster of officials is less than the WWE, but mm-hmm. in the AEW, that like they're literally like assigned matches, right? And they're very likely part of the the producing of that match. And so they're aware of the, the nuances that are going to be occurring. But back in the day, like... Tommy Young, I, I mean, if you watch an old, old episode of NWA uh, Power Hour or you watch, you know, the old the old uh, weekly shows, he was literally the referee for every single match, single, like yeah, every single out one there, yeah. on a taping. So he was out there the whole time. So clearly he had to, you know, there had to be a mechanism by which and, and that's, you know, that evolution then kind of then, you know, morphed into you know, things like these special guest officials that would come in. Right. And yes. oftentimes those guests were celeb- celebrities, mainly boxers. So Muhammad Ali uh, in he did WrestleMania. Uh, Smoke and Joe Frazier did a Starcade. Um, That's right. I you remember know, that one. Yeah. And so 
so there was some sense right there of this, this trying to meld the boxing and the wrestling world and trying to create this sense of, uh, well, uh, uh, camaraderie between the two sports and or bleeding of reality into a wrestling match. Yeah. And then you got like, I mean, you know, those examples you gave are just great examples of like, if anybody knows anything about boxing and obviously knows about Ali or Frazier, it has this commanding presence. Now it's not just a referee. It's this like badass that like, you know, every, you know, like you get this sense that, uh, you know, Joe Frazier is going to call it down the middle because he was a classy boxer. And it just, it gives us gravitas to like, like, oh, oh, look who's the ref now. He's not going to take any nonsense. So it was interesting, though, Steve, I think, you know, um, you know, in a lot of ways, the next iteration of referees, the the next generation into the late 80s, into, you know, so into the 90s, you know, you started seeing the emergence of what I would, I guess, what we'll call the path to talent right now. You started to notice because of television, things like. Jim Ross, he started as an official and then mm-hmm. eventually went into being a ring announcer before then becoming an on-air personality. Um, uh, Shane McMahon, if you go back to the early 80s, mid 80s, you'll see Shane McMahon as an official. And that's where he got his first television start. Um lots of wrestlers sons, uh, Joey Morella, the son of Gorilla, Gorilla Monsoon. You're right. He was um, an on, you know, he was an official, a referee that emerged and um, never even, acknowledged as his son. Right? Never, not never yeah, once. Just like the Macho never Man, once. the Lanny Poffo yeah, thing. Is just, exactly. Yeah, never acknowledged him. Yeah. And the one, the one that I always laugh about was Mean Mike Enos. Um, he actually, if you look at some old school um, AWA, in fact, when they started merging with and doing those kind of like AWA mid-south Memphis territory kind of mergers he was an official in in, in quite a few before he actually became a wrestler and yeah. so and so these are you know they they did in in some for some they this was their start this was their way um there's even you know, record of Ronnie Garvin starting as an official or Dean Malenko starting because his father, you know, had a territory and was, you know, famous wrestlers. So well, it's, funny, it's funny you mentioned that, too. If those that remember Rod, Ronnie Garvin, you know, after he won the title in the NWA and then he went over to WWF for a while, he I don't remember if it was because he was legit injured, but he went back. He was refereeing for a he while was. as, he as was. rugged Ronnie Garvin. Yeah, exactly. I didn't realize yeah. that he had done it originally. That's yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so I, you know, I do think that there was the, the the role of the official and referee became and started to become more than just now and in you know as you mentioned they were almost sight unseen like they were they were in in maybe in some respects because there was this gap of real knowledge of how the angle was moving they kind of maybe even got in the way to some degree or they were attempting to stay out of the way but eventually then you started to see this this shift right and the evolution of not only the transition from referee to talent but that they now were becoming part of the story and i think that that's a part that we saw surfacing very much so in our in our you know younger years of watching wrestling oh for sure yeah there's some that come to mind i mean like in terms of yeah like actually becoming more visible to the fans i mean i think uh one of my, you and I share an all-time favorite in Tommy Young. Absolutely. And his banter and his like physicality with Ric Flair was yeah. just, I just, honest to God, I just, I just remember laughing at it because it's like, yeah. And Flair would sell it like a million bucks. He's like, he'd shove Tommy Young. Tommy Young would shove, shove Ric Flair, and Flair would fall down. Like it was. Yes. Like, <laughs> here's this the champ, and he goes down because a ref pushes him. It was, it's so corny and great. And you know, he became now. Now, then the referee started to become almost a part of the match, right? Yeah. And I do think that there is a significant difference there between the philosophy of what we see with the WWE and what we've seen with other 
wrestling organizations because in the WWE they are you know with 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 a few exceptions that we could probably point back to they work almost harder to make the referee not a part of the of the match or up to draw attention away from the talent whereas in other places it was part of the story or part of the the mystique of the match so you know if you watch a, a classic Ric Flair match you will see Tommy Young is 99 times out of 100. He is the official and they have a shtick, right? And they did it night after night after night. It was the classic Ric Flair's got Ricky Steamboat in the final four and he's pulling on the ropes. And of course, you know, Tommy Young has got his back, you know, to <laughs> Ric Flair and, you know, can't believe, you know, no matter how the many times he's rapper, yeah, fans are outraged, you know, and, and there was a lot of, you know, emotion that got elicited from those types of dastardly, you know, even into the, in the eighties and the, the later eighties, right. The tag team, the old, um, he tagged him, but the referee didn't see him. And then he gets, you know, pushed back. And then all of a sudden the, the heels keep pounding. That was like a shtick. Like that was a thing. And, and, and I think back to it, and and it it did elicit emotion. You were like, yeah, it's like, come like, on, what's going I don't on? Even see that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, or I, you know, it just cracked me up too that like, you know, remember the killer bees? They wouldn't use yes. the, they wouldn't use the masks the whole match, but then they'd put them on and switch, <laughs> and the ref didn't think anything of the fact. Wait, why is he wearing a mask now and have yeah. a slightly different body type? It's, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, but the, I mean, those are good guys, but you know, then the the classic heel like switcheroo, and it's like, yeah, then you're right. I mean, you're sitting there like why, why aren't you saying this what do you mean why i can't believe it so. i even i mean i even got annoyed last week i was why i noticed that with aubrey aubrey edwards who we're gonna uh, mm-hmm. talk about um she's been I, I feel like they've ramped it up in the last few um months whatever in w in aew that like she gets mega distracted by outside people and they're sitting there outside the ring they're not doing anything anymore and she's still yelling at him for another like 30 seconds it's like you're not doing anything and then you're like come on turn around yeah exactly yeah well i mean and i i think we could probably talk for a while current about current day and in you know some of some of the frustrations i think a lot of us have that are shared by people like bully ray and on busted open and some others where you know we have almost pushed the rules to the place where they're no longer being enforced right the the classic you know you know these guys are in the ring for how long and you're going to tell me that in the vast majority i mean if you really watch an AEW match today like how when was the last time you saw a disqualification and there are things being honestly i think battered and thrown at each other right i i I could probably I think less than five times since AEW has been around for three years that there's been disqualifications. It's almost yeah. never. Yeah. And it, and it's a piece of the story and a part of a story development that seems to be a lost art there. Like yeah. that, that is unfortunate. And that, you know, when we go back to thinking about the role of the official, you know, like those were key things that have happened so that stories could advance or a rivalry could ensue. So, um, right. But again, and when we think when, or when you think, and I have talked about this, that really next, the next phase for officials was when they became parts of stories. And Mm -hmm. I think for each of us, we have different moments of, and people that emerged. Like one of the very first ones that I remember was Danny Davis. Um, Oh, for sure. Same here. Right. When, when that whole thing was going on and this was, you know, again, in the eighties, um, the heart foundation was at its peak. Jimmy Hart was, the manager and Danny Davis started over a series of months would do um, fast counts or slow counts or just slowly tip the scales Mm -hmm. towards the heart foundation and eventually leading to this 
this momentous occasion when it got almost unveiled that he was actually in cahoots with them. And I remember being really upset as a kid, like, what? I can't believe we have a dirty ref and, you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. I, don't, I mean, I, what are your memories of that? I, yeah, absolutely. That's to me the first heel turn of a man of a referee that I can never remember. And yeah. I'm sure in the annals of wrestling, I don't think it was the first one. I think they used um, that before, yeah. but at least for somebody that grew up with the AWA and WWF, I don't think I, you know, in my no. lifetime on TV that happened and yeah, and it was just, yeah. And then the gorilla and like the good guy announcers were calling mm-hmm. it out and then they, they, they kind of were patient with it. And then he, and then he they actually were. wrestled, which is funny. Cause I mean, like we talked about before, you know, like sometimes there were wrestlers or sons of wrestlers that, that were referees, but Danny Davis, um, a little tidbit, I didn't even know as a kid, but you know, he was in the early eighties, he was a referee for years before that heel turn. But there was a period in 84 to 86 where he also wrestled as a masked wrestler named Mr. No X. Way. Oh, no way. And, uh, so it's I like, no it was funny. And, and we didn't know. And probably I think most fans didn't know cause he had a mask on, but yeah, he actually was wrestling and refereeing at the same time, but no. And then, I mean, he never really amounted to a, like his wrestling run there. Didn't, um, it's not like he became a main eventer. I mean, well, he, well, he, I mean he feuded with the Coco Bewares of the world and yeah. stuff. And yeah. Well, Steve, all of a sudden, next thing you know, you see him back in the bow tie and the shirt, and you're like, yeah. what and happened he here? Like, and he refereed another six years after <laughs> after his heel turn, and then they just yeah. quietly put it away. Like, he, I don't think he ever had a resurfacing of being a heel. No, they, it was almost as if that never happened. And I, I just think to myself, the years that I saw that happen, and I, even I was caught in the suspended yeah. judgment being like, I can't believe this guy's back. Like, it, was yeah. he not suspended? Like, what? You know, but. I mean, and you're, and you know, in your waiting, you're saying, are they going to do it again? Is he going to go right. back to his ways? And then exactly. six years later, he never did. Yeah. And you you brought up Tommy Young, and I think Tommy Young's a great example of an official who became a part of, mm-hmm. you know, match sequences, uh, important ones. Although he, I don't recall him ever truly being in an angle per se. No, no, but more just, he, you know, he, like there's that shtick with Ric Flair in particular. Yes. That was almost a story onto itself. Yes, and he, it's where he became a central fit, a, a part of the dance between Ric Flair and whoever he was wrestling with. And I think that that, again, you know, for the most part, most officials, we didn't even know their names. And now, now they started to emerge. Um, and I guess, you know, to some degree, one of the greatest, you know, wrestling referee angles, um, even to this day, like completely still gives me uh, chills when I watch it is the infamous Hebner twin. Um, oh my gosh. One of the and, best stories ever. Yeah. And um, I, I don't, I think I remember where I was when I watched the match. That's how impactful that. Cause it was a Saturday night's main event, right? No, it was a, it wasn't it the main event. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it Friday was a special night. show. It was a Friday. Yeah. yeah. But it was, it was like a, it wasn't just your superstars of wrestling or whatever. No. You know, and I do remember it. Cause I remember the shock of like, Oh my God, Hogan actually lost the title. <laughs> you kidding me? And then on, they national, on national television. Yeah. And, and in we, you and I had been smarter wrestling fans than our average, the people we hung sure. out with, we were watching the NWA. So we actually knew that there was, another Hebner, but we didn't really put two and two together. Oh, until I sure did No, I mean, I knew that, but I, it wasn't, it wasn't foremost on my mind. Like I wouldn't absolutely. Yeah. And into the vast majority of WWF fans, they didn't know that. No. And I think that, you know, that was, I would probably go down. It, it'll definitely go down in the history books as one of the, the most unique angles um, that they ever pulled off. And oh, it, sure. it was really well done. It, it, it really, it was it's one of those awesome. things you can't do again. Like, no way. <laughs> so it's like they had their moment. They, they did it and they, they hit it out of the park. Yeah. And they, tr- they've tried with other ones, you know, the um, Scotty Armstrong, who was, uh, son of Bob Armstrong mm-hmm. and the Armstrong family. Um, he, you know, he had some shenanigans that he went through. Um, I think, 
probably you're the one you remember most because you were huge into nitro was nick patrick oh yeah it was it followed the sort of danny davis line where he started mm-hmm. calling things in favor of the nwo then he was clearly in their pocket and then he was like the nwo referee but then he actually had some moments in the end there i i don't remember i want to say it was a macho man match. it might have been macho man ddp but it was something where even he couldn't go along with it and he had mm. to do like there was a little integrity left and he yeah. did the three court and then of course like like uh, nwo was outraged and but yeah and i think he went back to uh refereeing after that too as a as a you know legit right and i actually uh after wcw folded i think he refereed for a while in um wwe and yeah uh, quietly think, yeah at that point though weren't there i mean i, I think that the storyline there for referees was that they there were SmackDown referees or Raw referees oh, or sure, something sure. along those. Kinda, I can't remember. Yeah. It was they were branded referees, really. But, right. But it was around that time though when the 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 job of the official started to become more than what it was in the past, and in a lot of ways, then it really morphed into having multiple officials that were hired by an organization that were now almost exclusively working for certain matches uh, throughout the uh, the card, um, almost assigned, like in a lot of ways, even today, right? Like we, you and I were talking about this a little earlier about Aubrey Edwards, but she, Chris Jericho, I, I've, I've seen it. I've read it in different places. He, he, chooses her he that's the person he wants it's almost like the rick flair tommy young thing it's like oh right down to the shoving and stuff yeah yeah this referee and i are on the same page with how we want the float of our match to go and she is helping me tell my story so because of that relationship i mean i don't know if i've seen her and him not together in the last couple months specifically it's something interesting that I was reading that put two things together. One, like we just said, Jericho and Aubrey as well, you know, they're doing the same physicality. Like, you know, so it's very much an homage to Rick mm. Flair and Tommy Young. But the other thing is I read that, you know, there's some Tommy Young and Aubrey got this, have gotten the same criticism from some people for mm. being so emotive with their facial expressions and uh. body language that it's almost a distraction. Um, you, I don't know that you know, I agree with that, but I can yeah. see it. And yeah, but it's like, it's also interesting that I wonder if she really is just like kind of patterned herself after Tommy Young, that she does a lot of the same things. Yeah. I definitely think that the, there is philosophical differences in terms of where people see a referee and their place within a professional wrestling match. And I would agree with you. There are times where I'll watch Aubrey Edwards and I'll think to myself, she's way over involved or she's way too serious or way too, she's almost overacting. And it does distract me mm-hmm. when I'm watching a match, uh, seeing some of those types of emotions in general, you know, I think that I'm of the, of the, of an old school mentality where I think the less they're seen and heard the better, but I also really like and remember how much I liked the character that some of the officials had like a Tommy young and their place within especially important matches that I do kind of miss today because I think to some degree, right. That we've lost a little bit of that, personality there's somewhere in between that maybe is ideal where they kind of have some unique yeah. traits but they're not dominant forces you know before i forget because it touched on a whole bunch of these topics and i can't believe we've gone this far but charles robinson is worth mentioning too because sure he's a guy that was in wcw forever he got involved in storylines as well mm-hmm. he actually wrestled he, he was little nate <laughs> little he nate. Had same kind of <laughs> and he took an elbow drop from macho man and like got his like ribs crushed yes <laughs> and i don't know if he still is maybe it's like but I, but he for you know from when wcw folded until it possibly still today but if not uh, even as recent as a couple years ago he was still very active in Mm -hmm. wwf as one of their senior officials so that guy has had a long career and he he did flair's last match appropriately and all that yeah 
Oh, and then, you know, you also look Mike Yoda, um, you know, and we've yeah. met, there are a lot we've missed, but of course, and, and I don't think that our intention today was to necessarily homage them all, but I do think Possible, it's worth, yeah. yeah, I do think it's worth noting some of the more um, prominent ones that we grew up with, like a Teddy mm-hmm. Long, right? Like, remember when Teddy Long was that scrawny referee that was on world championship wrestling on Saturday mornings and sorry, Saturday evenings, right? Like yeah. that's how Teddy long got to start. And the next thing, you know, he's walking, you know, uh, was it the, um, it was Mark Callis and, um, Oh gosh, Dan Spivey. Spivey? Yeah. And then eventually I think it was doom, right? Didn't doom, he? Yeah. Ron Simmons <laughs> and, uh, which yeah. yeah, I mean, he had yeah. some, yeah, he was a manager and it, yeah. And then, I mean, then you fast forward to like, he, for years was a like a general manager for SmackDown. Right. Like, that guy right. really like from a, from a scrawny referee, man, that guy had a long career doing other he things. He did. He did. And it, I guess before we get, um, move away from the topic of referees, I think it, I was really caught, um, the last week or so when I watched, uh, the, in the WWE rivals, the, um, they, they chronicled the Andre, the giant Hulk Hogan rivalry, and they really went back to, and it just rekindled a lot of emotions for me because that was such a, probably one of the highlights of our childhood was oh, in that sure. WrestleMania three era, et cetera. But there is an official that emerged during that period of time, a man by the name of Tim white, who, was not was more than just an official. Uh, he was actually Andre's handler and would help Andre literally get from match to match, city to city. I mean, going as far as um, driving an RV uh, in certain parts of the country because, or you know, any other type of luxury type automobile, so that Andre could be comfortable and be able to move, maneuver from city to city, and. It was in being a handler that eventually Tim then got involved into setting up the ring. And the next thing you know, uh, fast forward, and he's the referee when Mick Foley goes flying off the top of the cage in Hell in a Cell, right? And so, exactly. I, and so I do think that for whatever it's worth, officials over the years really played not only important ring roles. But for some, like a Tim White, um, they were truly somebody who helped the wrestlers beyond just the wrestling. For sure. Yeah. Unsung heroes indeed. Mm-hmm. We'll transition just a little bit uh, in our last little part of this segment um, to another group. And th- those are the public address announcer, ring announcer types. Mm-hmm. Um, I love public address announcers like i mean i to this day completely still mark out when i hear and new new yes it's so great wwf intercontinental right like i so much loved uh, a good ring announcer and there were very few back in the day that could compete with howard finkel gary michael gapetta trucking tom miller from the nwa like he's on all the early star kids um larry nelson the yeah, voice larry. uh AWA, for the right? awa the voice of tony the tiger lee marshall like we you know those the ring announcer had this unique place of personality that i <laughs> loved you just love to mimic. Oh, I know. I remember we used to, when we were kids, it'd be like Gary Michael Capetta, wrestling fans. Right. Like he had that kind of, not nasally, but kind of, like, yeah. I, and it's just, it's so great. And I, you know, I, yeah, I remember when we do like back, you know, basement wrestling, you'd, you'd kind of imitate one of those people. You would. I mean, you would literally imitate, we would imitate a, Har- a, a Howard Finkel or a, or even Mark Lorenz, when he did the you know world class, he'd always from the from beautiful downtown Dallas at the yeah. auditorium, you know, <laughs> deep voice, it, yeah. they had this deep voice and they, you know, but they, you know, as much as they never were the, you know, on air personalities, right? Like it was that, that kind of like beginning of a match that 
was just like super cool. And well, I think it's I think it's something that's lost today, to be honest. Well, like they're not only yeah, they're setting the tone, they're building the excitement, the energy. Yeah. I mean, if if the, if you have a flat ring announcer, you're already off to a bad start. I mean, yeah, the, the wrestlers could bring the crowd back, but still, it's like you want to get them get the swell kind of going before the match. And yeah, those like yeah, I don't know. Those, they all those name voices just did yeah. that. Today they they just I'm sorry to like be old school on this one, but they all sound the same. They almost yeah. have the same emotion, the same um, inflection points. Like I don't know if anyone's watch that's listening is watching UFC, but you know, the, Bruce Buffer is amazing. Like yes, ah, no, <laughs> you know he the, just is so animated. Like, and anim- you just get so jacked up when you hear him. Uh, it's time, right? Like his, and then obviously his brother was one of the greatest of Legends. all time. Let's get yeah. ready to rumble. Well, right? you know what's funny? I mean, I think some people might criticize it as just Eric Bischoff spending money, you know, like he did. But for a while there in WCW, they brought Michael Buffer in like almost for like, 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 like nitros and like, but yeah, and they paid him and he made a ton of money every time he showed Absolutely. up. But you know what? He was damn good. And he, you know, you he hear was. that, let's get ready to, you get that, 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 that it's, it was timeless and it, it never, yeah, at least for me, it never got old. No, it never got old. And, and I, I, you know, I, I, it's, it's really ironic because they in and of themselves created such an excitement, such of like, such a, a, a rush of emotions. It was, um, again, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm one of the weird ones, right. Or we're the weird fans, but I loved mimicking them. Like I loved oh, yeah. putting on my own announcer voice. I mean, Steve, actually I was a public address announcer. I did basketball games. I did yeah. uh, radio spots. I did things. And I always remembered like the importance of that inflection or making having a shtick or having something that was your own. And while I, I know that again, similar to referees, while I don't think we want a ring announcer in of themselves to draw so much attention to themselves, but it is such a different atmosphere when you've got a really cool ring announcer with a good shtick or good way of doing things. And it just, it creates a totally different dynamic for the start of a match. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, yeah, you and I just, yeah, we're cut from the same cloth on that because yeah, to, like to this day, I'll still in my head, like, kind of even those classic ones, like you, like you said, there was nothing that could beat Howard Finkel's and new because chances are you are already, excited that there was a title change because yeah. certainly back then they didn't do them all the damn time so you yeah. know like say one of your wrestlers they're gonna macho man finally wins the title mm-hmm. and and new it just almost made you emotional because it was yeah. like it was so uplifting and it's just it was yeah I, a couple things uh going back a little bit in time uh mike mcgurk and donna ganya um those were some of the first female ring announcers right. i don't know I remember, remember Mike McGurk from uh, mm-hmm. that was WWF, right? It, she was. Yeah. Um, the classic, uh, another classic example, just like we talked about with Shane McMahon becoming a referee or Joey Morella from, you know, his dad, Gorilla Monsoon. Um, Leroy McGurk was a huge wrestling promoter and he was the one who got Mike McGurk involved. And obviously the name Donna Ganya uh, mm-hmm. might connect slightly to uh, 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 that, a family. That name rings a bell. Uh, that name rings a <laughs> bell, right? And so, um, but she, um, th- and they then really paved the way to then the introduction of what I think will be one of the greatest female ring announcers of all time. And that was Lillian Garcia. In fact, uh, Steve, you remember what was the one thing every house show started with the national anthem. Yes. I am so disappointed. It doesn't do that anymore. But for those of you listening, every wrestling show started with the national anthem and they were none of them. I mean, none were nearly as good unless it was Lillian singing oh, the national anthem. Incredible. And I remember the first time I ever, because, you know, we got used to her as the ring announcer. And then, like, the first time I ever heard her sing, I'm like, holy crap. It's I good. know. 
unbelievable. This is moving. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I know that, I know that, uh, the, the current ones are trying hard and I'm sure they're doing the best that they can. And I, I, times have changed. Uh, I do, I do have to say as an aside, one of the other things about ring announcers that I thought were really critical is the way that they also interact with the fans when the cameras are no longer running. And I've seen, even in recent days, I've been to a Raw event, I've been to an AEW event, and I just have to say that right now, in my mind, there doesn't even seem to be a comparison. The Back in the day when Howard Finkel was the ring announcer, his level of interaction with the fans and his, what I would consider to be genuine desire to interact and to, you know, and to be to be able to market a new another event or to give them the in, in the commercials within the man, within a house show pales in comparison to what I see today from the talent that the WWE oh, sure. has. They're just not invested like that. And I, and I, it, I felt that was, it, it really felt it was sad. I think it, you and I have talked about that at one point. Now we have, I do think Justin Roberts does a phenomenal job in between matches. I mean, he uh, he does a great job keeping the crowd motivated, calling out signs. In fact, at the last AEW show I was at uh, here in Dayton, uh, he stayed at the end. I, I happened to have very good seats. He stayed almost a half hour after the show ended, signing autographs, taking pictures, you know, in retrospect to his their WWE counterparts. Uh, he, that, that guy, he left within seconds after the last match was over, did not once interact and, you with know a fan. Fasc- what fascinates me about that is that it just seems like it's not even effort. It's like, yeah, like they're there. There is like the camera is not rolling. Like, why wouldn't you interact and keep the crowd energy from like, you know, instead of dropping, keeping on like, to me, it's like, it's like a detachment from your fans that the WWE would mm-hmm. even think to drop that. It's like. Yeah, it's he like, was. It's he, almost like transactional thing. Oh, you're here to watch, and it's really for television. I am a very involved fan when I'm at a show, and I watched him especially. I, honestly, Steve, I couldn't even tell you his name, and I don't even want to. I don't even care. Right? He's uh, still on Raw today, but I watched him in between matches. He was scrolling mm-hmm. through his phone like he was looking at Instagram or whatever, and then all of a sudden you know, he'd get something in his earpiece and there, there were fans behind him. He never once turned around and said hi to them, anything. And I thought to myself, just what a shame. Like it it just, it's, you know, I hate to ever say, I, you know, boy, times have changed, but that would have never happened back in the day. No, for sure. Everybody interacted in ways that were, especially the ring announcer because they weren't on air. So their whole shtick was, I'm going to here to entertain the fans in the arena to make sure they know what's going on. Yeah. I, I, I can't even get in my head how that, like what you experienced that raw, like mm. that's like shameful. I like, it's just like, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not the wrestling we grew up on. I'm not, I'm not going to go on a big indictment on WWE overall, but that one thing you brought up, it's like, that's just such a, it's to me, like I said, it's not difficult. It's just, no, it's just a step that's not deemed important to either that individual or the modern. I don't know. It's just, that's that's kind of sad. Yeah. But regardless of it, I do yeah. think that, you know, if we were to, uh, in the immortal words of probably a producer somewhere, uh, let's take this one home. Um, I, you know, they lost the officials and ring announcers, uh, almost like a lost art of these unsung heroes of wrestling. Um, for whether they ever became characters or not, whether they um, decided to get involved in the matches or not, uh, at the end of the day, I think that, you know, as youth, as I think back to my childhood, there were some fantastic memories that we had you know, um, with interactions, uh, whether that was watching officials or getting to know them, you know, by seeing them more often or then getting them in character, the classic referee bumps or the you're out of here right like yeah all of the hand gestures to go with it yeah yeah all of the stuff that evolved over time 
I, I definitely feel like a f- the referees are people that I hope that the average fan can better now appreciate not only their role, but their place in professional wrestling. Totally. And, um, wrestling fans. It's time for us <laughs> to get out of here. So, and yes. Well, and, and for those and for those of you that know what we're talking about, uh, Tommy Young. Tommy Young. <laughs> oh, it's great. Shout I to mean, the Tony Schiavone podcast. Yeah. Well, I do think that both announcers and referees have created some great memories for us, and I really appreciate the work that they do because. I know this just from my own career, whether it was in athletics or even today in corporate America, the people that sometimes are the least known within a spectacle of a show. Um, and this is probably said, you know, to be said about the cameraman or the, the timekeeper. I mean, remember that ring announcer or the timekeeper, the bell ringer for the WWE that he was there forever. Like, I don't even know his oh, name. I wish sure. I, he had that little mustache, you know, like, but all of those, all of those roles, right there, they are still very essential to what happens. And most times we don't even realize what's going on. Well, next time you're watching wrestling, even though the eras have changed, just maybe pay a little extra attention to the little like nuances that, that the referees do. Well, They're this was there. Fun. This is great. Fun. Thank you so much, Steve, for another uh, great opportunity to just spend a little time reminiscing with you and hopefully educating our fans a little bit about yep. the importance of these uh, these essential pieces of wrestling. And that concludes another episode of Keep the Kayfabe. Thank you for attending and so long.